Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, I am female, hear me roar. We continue learning about the difference between sex and gender with show favorite Lisa Kenny of Reimagine Gender. Plus, Biz is surfing. Woo! I just had to call and just say this funny story because okay. who else would get it other than the One Bad Mother community? Fair. So I'm up in Canada and I have some, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's been really tough being a Canadian the past year and a bit and I'm uh, not currently proud to wear the flag and um, my little guy has his last Friday at school today and they're celebrating Canada Day and we're told to wear red and white so I of course went on to my One Bad Mother subgroup and got support and solidarity and stressed and stressed and stressed about what he would wear and I finally pieced together an outfit because he loves color days so I had to get a red and white outfit all together for him and I pulled an outfit together and it was so happy because I found a white pride shirt and it's pride month and he loves rainbows and it was all perfect and I was so proud of myself and I took a picture and my husband and I were so proud until this morning and last night when he said red and white make pink and he wanted to wear all pink so I ended up having to put together very quickly to get him out the door to school on time a thankfully we had a pink shirt and pink socks and I found some underwear that had a little pink and he had a pink hat, and then we didn't have pink pants, so he thankfully had pink pajama pants. So he is in all pink. All the other kids are wearing red and white, and he's so happy. And I, of course, you know, did send that red and white outfit as a backup. But, yeah, so I don't know if that's a genius of fail or if it's just a good lesson to me not to stress about parenting because it's really just not that serious. Anyways, have a great day. Woo! Oh, my God. I love you. So many lessons in this. First of all, yes, the, your your final takeaway was the right one. This is probably not as important as maybe we thought it might be, right? Like, it is really easy to find yourself on the other side of something that you thought was something really stressful. And, I, oh, my God, that is like, ugh. I wish that was one of those things you could just get rid of the moment a kid arrives in your house. But in fact, it just makes it worse for a really long time. So you're right. Also, I kind of love that you were like all stressed out about this and your kid was like, fuck you. Pink, right? Like, I'm like, your kid's a genius. Your kid is like, like a genius that your kid's like red and white make pink. So I'm wearing pink. There are a lot of layers to this. And I think you're doing a remarkable job. And I, I just, I see you, I see you, you are doing so awesome. Speaking of awesome, it is time for thank yous. I would like to thank all the people out there who are working very hard to support body autonomy, who are supporting reproductive rights, and who are uh, fighting to keep access to reproductive rights and abortion open and available. I also want to thank people who are supporting organizations that are in need of financial support to fight in court the closing of clinics and fighting the limitation of access to contraception. And what's amazing is the more I get angry about all this and yell and scream, the more I find it myself in a position to learn. And so I want to thank People who are out there working to remind us that we all have a reason, regardless of how we identify, to be terribly upset. 
and maybe work together to put an end to this nonsense. And that's going to tie in really nicely to what we're talking about today with Lisa Kenny. But before that, I will give you a brief check-in on me. And that is, as my therapist says, I am in surfing mode. A lot happening. A lot happening. We've had family. Uh, you know, I'm sandwich generation in it. I am caring for my parents uh, and my children and uh, uh, my, you know, other relationships. And it's also summer. So we're all here. And I finally reached this amazing place after years and years and years and years of therapy and medication of where I am no longer trying to fight or control or push or fix or whatever, any of those different things that I am involved with, and instead just acknowledging, identifying, and floating, floating through, floating through, which really isn't surfing. Uh, actually, I shouldn't have used the surfing metaphor because took surfing lessons and that broke me in half and just churned me up. Like surfing over here on this coast, Pacific coast, is just like, hi, would you like to be physically harmed over and over by water? If that is the case, and then strap yourself to a board so that when you get all chugged and churned up, you get to come up and just get hit in the head by a board that's been attached to your leg. So I'm not, I'm more lazy river. We should have probably said biz is on a lazy river. I'm more floating by, which doesn't tie as nicely in as my thank yous did with what we're going to talk about today with longtime friend of the show, Lisa Kenny of Reimagine Gender. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Biz and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Everybody, this, this is very exciting. We are welcoming back... Uh, one of my favorite guests, longtime friend of the show, Lisa Kenny, who is the CEO of Reimagine Gender and the former executive director of Gender Spectrum. Leveraging decades of corporate leadership experience, Lisa has worked with companies of all sizes to help them understand gender and implement changes across the organization. And, you know, I just like to make the assumption that Lisa can answer all of my weird questions about gender. So <laughs> welcome back. Lisa! <laughs> well, thank you, Biz. Well, it's a mutual love fest. I just want to go on. To say that I'm a friend of the show is an understatement. I love what you all are doing, and I'm just uh, really glad to be back. So thank you. And I hope not to disappoint with not knowing all the answers Damn to it. your questions, but I'm going to do my best. Yeah, well, as we were joking earlier, you are welcome to lie to me with confidence. Okay. All right. That's the key, right? Yeah. That's the, the key to parenting, to life, to all things. Live that's with confidence. It. That's it. Looking certain as you say it, that's, right. that's the key. Sound I certain. I am really sure of myself and what I'm saying. All right. I'm not sure if you're aware, if you're following the news, Lisa. I read occasionally. Yeah, yeah. but there's some news has been happening recently. Huh. One of Is the, the country ones in trouble? Are we struggling? I, we might be <laughs> struggling. So the recent loss of a woman and pregnant people's guaranteed rights to yes. an abortion or reproductive health care is now gone. And I guess I want to start with how does the implementation of gender-neutral language help or limit all of the different things that this ruling affects. I mean, there's been a lot of articles and there was a great op-ed piece in the New York Times recently. I don't think I was aware of some of these internal or external battles going on regarding, like I am of a generation that's like, I am a woman and I need to be out yelling, woman, 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 woman with a Y, woman with whatever. Like I need to be yelling all the time. And that does not reflect my desire to fight 
for, for example, trans rights that were not necessarily something I was screaming about 20 years ago. But right. when I think abortion, I think the historical use of medical treatments to squash women, right? So with this new battle beginning to regain rights, there is a big push for being inclusive, and I'm all about that, using language like pregnant bodies and not using the word woman as much. Help me. You are my language expert. Okay. Help me with this. Help me. Help me. Tell me. Show me what's going on. Tell me. All right. I really feel quite passionately about this topic, so I'm glad oh, we're, we're sort of starting off with this. Because in some ways, it is both the simplest thing to fix and yes. the most challenging because it's so entrenched thing to fix. So let's Fuck. let's talk about... <laughs> I know, right? You kind of just want to stick with the simple thing. I get I that. like it simple. I do too. I do too. It's consistent with who I am. Pretty yeah. simple. There yeah. we go. I'm the only one that characterizes myself that way, by the way, but, but still, let's just hold on to it. So here's the issue. Okay. Because of this conflation that we have in our particular society, not, yes. not exclusive to us, but particularly so, between sex and gender, and I don't mean sexuality, I'm not talking about who we're being sexual with, I'm talking right. about anatomy, physiology, biology, okay? Yes. So because we talk about sex and gender as if it's the same thing, right? what we really mean are females who are pregnant, Okay. Right. But because we've been in the binary and because of this conflation between sex and gender, when we've talked about females who are pregnant, we use instead of females, we say women. Okay. But women is a gender construct, right? We have, okay. if you think about it this way, when you think about females around the globe, there's consistency, right? How a female is and, you know, halfway across the world is the same biologically as a woman, let's just say here in the US. But when you think about what it means to be a woman, cultural expectations, dress, ability to access activities, interests, careers, et cetera, et cetera, that varies tremendously from place to place around the world. That has to do with gender. That's the construction of gender. Has to do with gender roles, social expectations, all that kind of stuff. So what happens is when we talk about bodies, our yeah. physical, like literally the biological bodies, because bodies are also gendered for gender expectations, but let's put that away for, for the moment. When we talk about bodies in the same way that we talk about gender, we're making things unnecessarily complicated. Always. But because that's the language we're used to, instead of people saying females who are pregnant have lost agency over their bodies, which is part of this conversation right yeah. now. And instead, we insert the word woman, which now changes it to a gender construct instead of a biological reality that primarily affects those that identify as women, but also may identify in other ways in terms sure. of their gender identity. And so that's part of what's going on here. So when we hear all this outrage, I, I have to tell you, I did not have a positive reaction to that New York Times yeah, article. Yeah, no, no, I, that's um, fair. <laughs> when I say great, well, I realized as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I found it an intriguing op-ed about a issue with language that I had not been aware of. And it wound up prompting a lot of really interesting discussions with people of different ages, different generations, different identities. So, yes, you're right. Yes. It does not surprise me yes. that there was a different reaction. That's, <laughs> that's right. I think what it is, is that we have a ways to go. And I think particularly women, and I'm going to say my own generation too, right? Yeah. Where we grew up in the binary. Yeah. We grew up very much from a feminist perspective that assumed two genders to match two sexes, right? So the assumption right. was a male is going to be a boy and then a man and a female is going to be a girl and then a woman. And that was all the complexity we allowed. That's the challenge as we now are evolving to a less, certainly a less binary understanding of gender. And that's now causing this, this confusion when we still try to frame conversations in binary language. And so okay. you've got some generational difference because honestly, 
those of us that have been around on the planet a little bit longer, and I definitely am in that group of people, we've got some learning to do. Hold on. I want to stop because I want to go back and ask one of my very biz questions of (laughs) what? Can we just help me with this? Because like we just said, a lot of learning to do. So female versus woman. Yeah. Is that a universal, like when we are biologically describing somebody, like if I was at the doctor's office, they would say female, right? Like, I mean, is that, because to me, I'm like, oh, it's all the same. Female, woman, whatever insult you can throw at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it has been the only, it has been the only way we've characterized things. But we okay. do need to be, well, first of all, we all need to learn the difference between these two things. Between well, sex and gender, right? So that's it. I understand the difference between sex and gender. I don't think I understood that for, for example, females... <laughs> I'm learning, I'm trying. Females is our biological term. And women is our gender term. So for males, is that, so males is the biological, boy, men is the gender. Is that correct? correct? That's correct. All right. So if we think about it this way, Biz, so we have males and females, and then it turns out about 1%, depending on which statistics we're looking at, about 1% of the human population has an intersex trait. So about 99% of the population falls into pretty strict binary, biological, physiological spectrum. And of course, not every male body is the same and not every female body is the same. And in fact, there's tremendous overlap in many areas between those. So It isn't all that binary, even on the biological place, but when we think about bodies and we think about health, for example, we're treating the body. The gender only has comes into it later when we think about health equity issues, but that's because that's a different issue. So when we're talking about- It doesn't feel like a different issue, Lisa. Oh, so like, but I mean like that, and that's, I think that's where I am in my ragey state is it doesn't, but this is helping me so that when I'm raging publicly, I can yes. use the correct language. But it like, but I want to, everybody knows what I'm reading right now. I'm reading Unwell Women. Gender is very much tied to my biological place in the world and how I'm treated and the type of how the world perceives me going back from my uterus will cast a spell on you to I can't run for president or being a submarine because of my body and my uterus. So this is where it gets murky for me. And I'm just yelling because this is, I like having our conversations. So I'm not disagreeing. (laughs) I'm just saying, but, but, but I'm having a hard time untangling the, the tangle, the knot that is the gender and the sex. So take me back. Sorry, I said that again, but we're going to go back and repeat it. Okay. Back to the gender versus sex. Go back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all right. We're good. So we've got Oh, I know we're good. We're friends. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. We get to have discussions like this. That's exactly right. So when we're talking about sex, we're talking about biology. Let's just keep it really simple in that way. Thank you. The fact that we have often used gender terms to talk about sex is the problem here. Okay. So when we talk about people who get pregnant, we're talking about females. Females get pregnant. Most of those females identify as women. Right. But they don't all identify as women. Right. That's where we're getting this confusion because we have talked about them as if it's the same thing, that females and women... It's the same thing, but it is not the same thing. Okay. And I think that's the challenge. So now when we're talking about, if we're going to use gender terms, you get into these complex ways of speaking about it because, in fact, you have to include every gender identity, or at least those in categories, categories of gender identities of the people who could be pregnant. And those are not all females. Right. Some of them may be females, but have a a different gender identity. Some of those may be males and have a different gender identity. So if we want to make this a really simple discussion about pregnancy and from a medical standpoint, from a body, physical standpoint, 
we're really talking about females from a sex standpoint. When we talk about those folks from a gender standpoint, it really could be any gender identity because while we have assumed they are the same, they are not in fact the same. And if we think about it too, Biz, even when when we were growing up, you'd still have, yeah, I'm a girl, but I'm a this kind of girl. I'm a tomboy. I'm a tomboy. Yeah. We still have it now. Are you a soccer mom? Are you a what kind of mom? Right? I mean, we love it. We just love to name ourselves. What we do is we place ourselves within a subset of that category, right? And for many of us throughout our history, at least in our in our culture. I mean, we have to be reminded that this is not universal. No. Many places <laughs> uh, around the world don't have a binary understanding of gender. They've always accepted that there's three or more genders yeah. and don't have this strict correlation between sex and gender that we all think is the only way to see the world, right? That's how we like that. Welcome to the party that is America. We've (laughs) got a vision and we're pretty sure that it's the only vision. It's the only way. Let me get my ruler out. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So once we see that we're struggling with this in a way that many other people around the world are not struggling with this conflation, but regardless, many places uh, do, certainly Western, typical Western nations, have conflated these things, although not necessarily even in the same way that we do in the U.S. But because of the way that we particularly have conflated that, it's causing this confusion because this interchangeable way that we speak about sex and gender is causing this confusion. When we're talking about gender, we are not talking about bodies. Right. Not in the way that we're thinking about it anyway, because we do gender bodies, but we think about it differently. So that's a challenge. If we want to talk about this simply, we should just talk about females. Okay who can have children, which are not all females either. Okay. Yeah. As a person who feels very strongly about my rights as a female, uh, everybody, I just did it. And for my children, regardless of how they whatever gender they pick. Right. It's very easy just to say female, and I am happy to have now have that accent. I am happy to use that all day. But that, I am a reasonable person, and I wasn't aware of that subtle subtle language choice. And when I go out screaming in the streets, and I call my representatives, and I am asking my questions and out fighting Not only am I fighting for my rights as a female, I also know that I am fighting for my gender rights as a woman because it is hard to separate those things. And I am fighting for the rights of trans people who get the shittiest of reproductive health care, like who really need a whole overhaul on reproductive, I mean, we were talking with Kimberly last week from Urge, and she was just, you know, saying, yes, there's this abortion clinic, but it is really geared towards one gender, right? Like, and and so I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't even think about that, right? So I'm going out to the streets, Lisa. What do I say? What do you say? What do I say, and how do I let everybody know that I'm fighting for all of it? That's right, exactly. Because later I'm going to talk to you about how this fucking ruling will be directly affecting the choices of people's, their gender. It's an attack on gender, not just sex. So tell me how I, what well, do I say? Well, you know, I mean, your point is right. It's not, I just want to make sure we're clarifying some of these issues that we're fighting for are really about body autonomy, right? Okay. Yeah. And sometimes that is very much related to a single sex, females. Okay. Females have a much harder time having rights related to body autonomy. First, it was was even access to contraception, certainly abortion and pregnancy issues. I mean, again, there's a number of ways in which females have consistently been harmed and controlled through laws and policies and all kinds of things. And that's the one I'm really angry about. (laughs) Yes. And there's also been discrimination based on gender whether that's women 
related to bodily autonomy, or whether or not we're talking about trans folks who need medical care. And that includes, for example, well, I'll give you a small, <laughs> a small example. It's not related to abortion at all, but the way in which sex and, different, <laughs> sex and gender is important to separate. A couple of years ago, I got breast cancer. Oh. So I go in. I'm okay. But I, obviously, I in, you're fine, Lisa. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm relatively fine. I have no breasts. But other than that, I'm doing fantastically well. But I remember, I'm, so I'm sitting there. It's the day of the surgery. And I'm supposed to get this little thing, this procedure done before I go in. And my wife is sitting with me in this room. The person comes in. I'm sitting on the exam table. My yeah. wife is sitting in the chair across from me and we're talking. The woman comes in, the nurse comes in to do this thing. And we're chit-chatting for a second. She says, well, I, I think it's time now for you to switch places, switch places and we get started. And I said, you know, as much as my wife loves and supports me, I think it's important that since I have the breast cancer, the- my breasts are supposed <laughs> to be coming up. We should leave her and her breasts over there in that chair. And you can see this moment yeah. where she registers, oh, wait a minute. I've made some assumptions about yeah. gender. Now, I, and for those who can't see me because I'm a podcast, I generally am read sort of by other people as more masculine and generally as a man. Everybody, Lisa has a short haircut. <laughs> so you know what that means. That's right. That's right. They have a well, short haircut. <laughs> Sorry, <right>. go ahead. <laughs> so we're sitting there and, and you realize like, here's this moment, right? Yeah. It's a pretty vulnerable and intense moment. And I'm having to educate this nurse on the fact that even though my gender is one thing and I present one way, my body is still mine and my wife is not going to hop onto the exam table and go through surgery for me. So I bring that up because when we're talking about health issues, we're talking about sex, meaning the body that I have needs to be cared for Regardless of my gender, I can call my gender anything. I can identify it as anything, but the body that I have needs care. But it's also important to realize my wife and I, both females, do not have the same experience in care situations. Right. Just so So, you know, my mind is blowing up out of my head right now. (laughs) I hope that's a good thing. With the simplicity of my physical body needs care, regardless of how I present and, you know, what my gender is. And that is what I'm like, oh my God, that's so simple. That's so simple. And I'm telling somebody who already knows how fucking simple it is. Lisa, (laughs) guess what? It's really simple. But like, that just encapsulates sort of this additional issue we are having in our country of trying to sort it out. It does not matter if you are wearing blue jeans or a tuxedo, your body, you st- your body still needs stitches, right? Or like, I mean, that's right. really dumbing it down. Exactly. From a medical perspective, we are treating bodies, right? right? That's what we're treating. And so for the most part, bodies come down to male and female bodies. Again, we have intersex Sex, traits, yeah. about 1%. But for the most part, that's how it works. When we confuse that with gender, it becomes complicated. Now, it is important to acknowledge gender because people are treated differently. So from a health equity standpoint, people are treated differently based on gender. Women are treated differently. Men are treated differently. Everybody's treated in there. We know that men don't get access to health care very often, many ways because of the ways that getting care has been gendered as unmasculine. Right. Right. I mean, which is absurd. We know that women also have a very different experience in the way. And in fact, the many ways, both in terms of mental health and physical health and reproductive Productive health. health. Oh, honey, Lisa, we go all day long. Including forced sterilization. Yes. And and all these. So all these ways that females have been subjugated in in society. So there's all those ways. The only thing that really, really helps when we do think about our bodies in addition to our gender is the ways in which then we may think about ourselves and the kinds of things Mm. that we're looking for. And that may then come into play in terms of how it's going on. But if you identify, let's say you're born female and you identify as a, let's just say trans man. Yeah. And if you have not taken hormones. Right. You still menstruate. Right. 
Okay. So it doesn't matter that my, in, in this case, that my gender identity would be a trans man. I still menstruate. I still get a period. I still need yeah. to address my period just like every other female does. Right. Yeah. If I get pregnant, I need support through my pregnancy, just like any other female body does. Right now, as a trans man going into a traditionally the obstetrician's office and going into or a clinic to get help yeah. or to go in, I obviously have different issues that I might be facing as a trans man who's about to give birth. Right. So if we think about that, and that's why. So if we want to keep it simple, then let's just talk about biology. Physiology, primary and secondary sex characteristics. That's what we're talking when we talk about pregnancy, what bodies are going through. And then respect that different people are going through this experience in different ways, right? And gender is one of those, but that's not the only one, right? (laughs) Race, class, where you live. I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Faith, all these other aspects of self affect our experience through that process. So I feel like it has become a norm to say different experiences based on class, race, education, where you live, things like that. And it makes so much sense that gender, when we understand what gender is, falls into that camp, right? Like that is such a natural place for that to be. But you are Right. It is the separation of gender and sex, which is still so complicated. Can I say one more thing yes, about that? Please. Because I, I'm just because of this conversation yeah, that's been please. happening on this issue. And I feel like one of the things that I think women, especially those that grew up, right, 70s, 80s, a particular feminist approach. Yeah. I think that generation has tried to expand to understand, oh, wait a minute, white women had a very different experience yes. than women of color, for example, right? So let's not talk about feminism as if we were all having the same kind of experience. We've tried to get increasingly educated over the years. This is definitely the edge that we now need to address as, as I think, females who grew up during a particular time, which is if we're fortunate to stay alive long enough, we're going to be introduced to new concepts and new language, right? right. That's just part of, hopefully, growth, right? As individuals <laughs> and, and a sure. population, right? Yeah. So. If we assume that's a goal, and I think that one of the things that's difficult is that we've had a very particular way of approaching gender dynamics in our society. And based on the binary, it made it, we used that kind of binary language as a proxy for these issues. When in fact, if we talk about the issues females have and women have, and we start looking at all these different ways, we realize there's, it's more nuanced than that. But this is why... We're having this discussion. That's because, right. And that's why we're asking these questions, because my view of feminism has always been the more the merrier, because we are any injustice is a fight for a feminist, right? It has always yeah, been absolutely. about equal rights. If we can go all the way back to the very first suffragette meeting, right? And who was there? Frederick Douglass was there. And then we fucked it up by like, some people fucked it up by not including African-Americans in their fight, right? Like we've been pigeonholing the fight for years, right? Out of the fear that by including more, we limit the victories we're trying to achieve. And that is not something I've ever agreed with. But at a moment where I am feeling so attacked, it is very hard to take that breath and look at the language, right? Not giving myself the space to understand those differences. And I think that's true from lots of all the different angles. You and I are angry, reasonable people. At least to ourselves. Just to ourselves. I don't trust me. I'll stay up all night fighting myself on this stuff. I think. But still come out thinking you're incredibly reasonable. Yeah. That's, that's where I end. Yeah. yeah just that. I mean. That's right. But I think like it's when we're all walking around wounded, right? It is hard for no matter how we are identifying to not want to make sure that we're not being seen. Right? Like, right. right? So. Also to your point. 
there's no value in shame here. The right. reason why we believe this is because it's, it's it comes at us a million times every day right. from the moment we stepped on the planet. So yeah. there's a, the, this conflation between sex and gender is the most universal point of confusion in my work bar none. Yeah. And from that, enormous confusion flows out of that for like in this topic and in many others, because that conflation causes so much confusion. It's we confusing. can't continue to use it as a proxy. <laughs> exactly. We need to understand there are differences and it's important to think about as to your point, gender as an intersection identity, just like other intersecting identities are to sex, right? Yeah. But sex and gender are not the same thing. And it, it, of course, if somebody's, you're confused, I've been confused, I think almost everybody's confused on this, and understandably so. So mm -hmm. I think it's not even just, to your point, that like we need to learn together. We have to unlearn together. Well, right, right. And then learn, right? That's what makes this so hard. Because then once you begin to realize this and you think about it, you go, oh my gosh, well, that's, oh, so that's why people are getting confused about this thing or that thing. And you're like, oh, okay, it all flows from there. And I think, you know, all this conversation about gender isn't actually creating greater clarity. It's no. creating greater confusion because we still haven't addressed the fundamental <laughs> definitions of this. We're not all having the same conversation. We're not all using the same terms. And so it's very difficult to create meaning together right. and understanding together when we're actually talking about different things, but believing <sighs> we're talking about the same thing. But Lisa, I'm so angry. I'm I know, so angry, I know. Lisa. And it's like. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be angry. I'm just trying to make sure no, that I'm, when we talk about it. But I'm angry about, about all the stuff we're talking about. I'm not just angry <laughs> yeah. about one thing. I, I, I want to be angry with the right language, right? Yes. So, like, I'm going to say it again so I remember female is sex, it's the body, it's the physical body, and woman is gender and identity. All right, so because that is, you're right, there's an unlearning process. Oh my God, Lisa, 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 <laughs> Lisa, I appreciate as always you coming on and having a conversation with me as loud as we get. <laughs> Which is saying it something. Is, there is listening happening amongst all the yelling. Um, though I don't find the shelling, I find this just no. an everyday conversation. Exactly. Once again, it has been helpful to talk to you to learn more about language that, again, I am still struggling with, despite all of my best efforts. I'm like, really? Female? It's as simple as that? I gotta change all my shirts. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> change all my shirts. And it's giving me tools for when I'm having conversations at my rage parties yes. uh, to help navigate the knee-jerk reactions that we all have based on our own experiences. So, and the work that, that you do is so helpful. I just appreciate the shit out of you. Well, thank you. I really appreciate having an animated, animated. passionate conversation with you and you know i just think that everybody at your rage party can just start with the acknowledgement that we have a lot to be upset about because this completion yes. has yes. made made our lives so much harder and made just makes it harder yes. to communicate which makes it harder to advocate right. right so that's the thing we need to be able to sort of listen and step into what learning there is so that we can understand we're not at odds with one right. another we're actually on the same page and can work in concert, I think, yeah. with one another when we make sort of the tent big enough for everybody oh. and their particular ways in which they're seeing and approaching this issue. And it affects people yes. of certainly females, males as well in certain areas. When we think about other intersectional issues, yeah. I mean, you talk about bodily autonomy, black men in our culture, for example, have had... STDs forced on them for experimental purposes. I mean, yes. so this yes. isn't... Another book I'm reading, Under the Skin. Everybody should get that one too if they would like to go screaming every night into the... That's right. So when we boy. think about this, I think we realize that it, bodily autonomy is fundamental regardless of your sex, but it, there's no question that females have been 
affect, especially in our culture, affected in a much more dramatic and structural and systemic way. But it's not unique to females. We're not the only folks that are affected. And then when we think about gender, that overlay affects us all. But ultimately, we're talking about, do we have the right to determine what happens to our body in conjunction with those professionals that have been deemed to be those to help support us in that process? And ultimately, do we actually, do we even have that autonomy regardless of whether there's somebody uh, that agrees with us or not? And that's where we are. I love it. I'm like, communicate, advocate. There's something for all of us to be really ragey about. So let's go do it together. Let's do it together. Everybody, we'll link you up to where you can find out about Reimagine Gender, as well as the Gender Spectrum, which is just such a great resource. Everything's a great resource. Lisa, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank Thank you. Thank you, Biz. Appreciate it. It's been great to to be uh, speaking with you in an animated and passionate way. Always. Always. I appreciate it. (laughs) One Bad Mother is supported in part by Bombas. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need, which is my favorite kind of thing ever. There is no secret in the fact that I love Bombas. I have been a longtime Bombas socks wearer. My children are also Bombas socks wearers because I buy everything. So, you know, I bought them the socks because I like the socks so much. But they also make things like t-shirts that are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams and soft fabrics and the perfect weight so they hang just right. And when we buy Bombas, we are helping donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. So, you know, you get to look good and feel good on multiple levels. Go to bombas.com slash badmother and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash bad mother for 20% off. Bombas dot com slash bad mother. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Dipsy. What's your summer fantasy? A whirlwind romance in Italy? Getting wet dancing in a warm rainstorm? Or maybe an unexpected summer fling? Mine involves no children and quality alone time with my partner. Look, no matter how you want to get steamy this season, Dipsy has a sexy short story for you to indulge all your fantasies. Guys, I love Dipsy. Fantasy time is sometimes all the time we get when we have got a house full of kids, especially in the summer. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash badmother. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash badmother. Dipsystories.com slash badmother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom are a genius. Oh my god, that's fucking genius. Genius, Mimi. Okay. Alright, guys. I got one. I bought a super cheap plastic bat and ball set from Target because Ellis has been talking about baseball. And long-time listeners of the show know, baseball is Raiden's special gift that they do not want to pursue. That child, since the age of like three and a half, four, You put a plastic bat in their hand, and every time was a hit. 
and not just a hit, but like, goodbye, goodbye ball, right? But they have zero interest in playing it. Well, now Ellis would like to try it out. Turns out they ain't bad either. So we had to like take it out of the backyard because we were losing the balls. And I was like, okay, fuck it. We're going to the, we're going to the street. We're going, we're going to the game on, game off, right? Like, like street play. And the genius here is one, I have been getting a lot of exercise running after balls because that is what I'm doing. And also the children are getting some exercise, which is great because they're weak and frail. They're inside kids. And it's been really fun. Both kids like playing it. And additionally, this is, this is a weird one, but we're playing in the street and Ellis has been really okay with that. Ellis forever is terrified of the street. Like when we tried to learn how to ride a bike, they didn't want to do it in the street. I mean, and look, it's not a busy street, right? But I mean, it is a street street, but there's a lot of distance between when you see a car coming and when you need to take action where our house is. But they have just been out in the street, played, and I think that's really great. I don't obviously have to know what my children playing in the street like idiots, but they're playing in the streets and being mindful of cars and not panicking, not having anxiety about it. And that I think is just like one of those weird internal biz mom moments of like, oh, look at this. Maybe everything will be fine. Hey, one bad mother. I am calling out the genius. And my genius is kind of weird, I think. But I lost my grandmother two weeks ago. And we went back to Alabama for her funeral. And I, my genius is that I let my kids see my emotions. I talked with them about how I was feeling. And they were having a hard time processing it for a little bit. They're 10, 8, and then two and a half. Two and a half year old. She's not really processing much. But the 10 and 8 year old, like, they were sad, but they really didn't process it. But I, <laughs> we went to the funeral, and my 10 year old really was crying. And then my 8 year old, she was, she, when she gets that upset, she can kind of channel it and getting frustrated very easily and getting angry at everything that everybody says and does. And so after the funeral, my emotions are fraught. But I sat with each of them and tried to talk to them, and my eight-year-old just, like, let it all out. And she let out some feelings of frustration of missing some of the last days of school. And, you know, that can hurt somebody's feelings when they're <laughs> dealing with death of a loved one. School's not important. But um, I just told her it was totally normal and totally okay for all of her feelings. And my genius is just letting my kids process this death with hit all of us really hard in their own way and my own way and showing them how I process it and writing about it um, so that they know that they can use different outlets to process. Um, yeah. My grandmother was amazing and she was a huge one all of her heart, but I'm really thankful I had her for so long. Thanks. Bye. You are a genius. And I really appreciate you sharing that with all of us. That is a really hard place to find yourself in. We, we've talked about this on the show before, this idea that, yeah, we are still people. And there will be moments where we are experiencing grief. And how do you navigate that while also being a provider of care for your kids? And so... I just think that is amazing that you were so mindful of, of sharing your emotions and your feelings with your kids during a time that's really difficult. And by all means, you have every right to be selfish emotionally. So I, I just, yeah, yeah, this is a like high five moment that is a weird one to share at a party or a weird one to share with other family members. I think you are doing an amazing job. You are genius. Failures. Fail, fail, fail.
You suck. All right. I wanted to show my kids grease. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just been on my mind a lot. And no one in my family has ever seen grease. Not even Stefan. And I know what, I've seen grease so many times, guys, because I was a child of the 70s and 80s. So, you know, I've seen it a lot. And I think there are a lot of funny parts to it. And I like the songs. So we all sit down and we start. And I'm just like immediately, I'm like, this is so problematic. <laughs> and I will be honest. It was not until I was in the musical version of Greece at college number two or three, I think it was number three, that I like truly knew the words to Grease Lightning in which the chicks will cream and it is a real pussy wagon. Uh, I, <laughs> that just never occurred to me when I was watching it. So I don't think anybody else caught it. I don't really know, but uh, you'll all be glad to know that Raiden took away the important life lesson that if you are having a relationship problem, you should change everything about yourself to make it work. So really, really doing a great job here and feeling really good about my choices. Hi, this is a fail. It applies to your issue with the shoulder policy, reveal policy at the dance that your kiddos were having. So apparently today I wore a pink jumper suit for the summer because it's burning hot here in Texas. It's 104 today. And as we're dropping off, my son, three-year-old son asked, why are you naked, mommy? <laughs> I guess that's what they were referring to, this. Apparently, when uh, little girls or women uh, show their shoulders, we're naked. Um, <laughs> so that's a big fail on my part. Apparently, my son uh, does not know what being naked means, and I've got work to do. But he's three, so I think yeah. I can. I have some time to get, his, get him straightened out <laughs> um, and understand that shoulders are not being naked. <laughs> Thanks. You all are doing a great job. Thank you for having this show, for having this uh, line, and for always keeping us uh, supported. Love the show. Bye. Oh, shoulders. How dare you? FYI, everybody, we had a lot of calls with responses to that shoulder conversation. That has been one of my favorite months, listening to the calls on the hotline. Everybody had some opinions and fun with that, so I appreciate that. But this, I really like seeing uh, its practical use uh, in a failure scenario. Yes, one, you have not been teaching your child what nudity is and all the shame that should go along with it. And two, you were naked at drop-off. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. I just think this is wonderful. It is definitely a fail in the most hilarious of ways. And you're doing a horrible job dressing yourself. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. Hi, I'm Janet Varney, and just like you, I survived high school. And we're not alone. On my podcast, The JV Club, I invite some of my friends to share the highs and lows of their teen years. 
like moments with Aisha Tyler. But when you're a kid, the stakes are just pretty low. Go to school, try not to get in trouble, get laid. Jamila Jamil. I watched television probably every waking hour during that time when I was shit-faced on medicine. And Dave Holmes. We talked and talked, and then everybody left. It was just us two, and I was like, I love you. Learn how you too can be a functioning adult after the drama and heartbreak of high school. Every week on the JV Club with Janet Varney. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a judgment-free show. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. (laughs) Tune in to hear about... Low-stakes neighborhood drama. Gardening. The sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle. Hot sauce. (laughs) Addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture. And the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it, no matter how gross. (laughs) There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby G. Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. All right, everybody, it's time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, Biz. This is a rant. I feel like I am losing my mind. Feel like I am completely losing my mind. I have a three-year-old and a five-month-old, and just all all the times I was told, like, "Oh, you think having a baby is hard? Wait till you have a toddler." And like, I am I just bad at babies? Because babies are really hard. They're really hard. This one will not. Let me put him down. I I have to carry him around all day or he fusses and screams and my brain feels like mush because every time I go to do something and set him down, I get interrupted by screaming. And, like, I can't focus on anything because I have to carry around this baby. And then when he's not screaming, I have a toddler. Yeah. I, I, I have a toddler. And I can't string two sentences together in my head. I'm surprised I'm stringing sentences together right now. This just stream of consciousness rambling. Ranting. It's ranting. That's why this is a rant. (laughs) Thanks for the hotline. I really needed to hear that I'm doing a good job this morning. Yeah, thanks. Bye. You are doing a good job. You really are. I feel like that's just, again, in trying to hone in on the right response to how are you doing or how's it going, I think it is fair to just respond with, I have a toddler and a five-month-old. And like, that's your answer. Like, that's your answer. You have a toddler and a five-month-old. No one listening to this right now didn't go <gasps> or uh, or just make some noise, a noise of some kind, because having a toddler and a five-month-old is impossible. And the question of, are you losing your mind? It very possibly. And I don't mean that in a jokey way. You guys know I'm a big supporter of mental health and everybody needing it. And I don't think it's flippant to say you're losing your mind because your mind is not being allowed to work the way it has worked in the past. And it is really hard to not be affected by small children in your house. Yeah, babies, yeah, maybe you aren't good at babies. I wasn't good at babies. I mean, I took care of them and loved them and stuff, but like you're still at the point where you're like, this one can't be put down. (laughs) I know exactly where you are. I referred to mine as this one every once in a while, or that one, or the boy, and, or the second. That inability to put them down, and I know, 
Just put him down. Why'd you just put him down? Well, if you're the one who's living in the house with the child that screams when you put them down, that's not a solution. It is, in fact, easier. That is the thing. That is the thing they don't tell you about parenting. From the outside, it's very easy for us to be like, well, just put him down. They'll stop crying eventually. Leave them to sleep. They'll stop screaming eventually. Leave them to do this. They'll eat when they're really hungry, right? Like, (laughs) to be honest, I don't know if any of those things are true because I couldn't last a minute in my house with screaming, yelling, crying, raging. I, it, 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 it was not a thing that, was conducive to me being happy. What they need to say is, yeah, you might just be carrying around a child for a year. I did. I carried a child around for two years. I was pretty sure I'd still be carrying Ellis by the time they got to college. Do you know why? Because it made my life easier. It did. And that was important to keeping those children alive was my life being easier, right? Oh, just take them with you to the event, right? You've got to, you know, your children have to learn to live in your world. Well, I just didn't have children that could live in my world. And it was easier not to go for me, right? Don't let the children sleep in your bed. It won't be. If it's easier to get some sleep at night, you fucking let them in your bed, all right? Like this is the bullshit that we don't share enough to make it feel normal and survivable. None of us are perfect at parenting. And we certainly aren't in the first few years. <laughs> like, because there's no one way to do it. And if you are feeling like you're losing your mind, that is incredibly fair. Anybody in a room being yelled at all day or interrupted, or having things thrown at them, or having things negated, or having things demanded, right? And none of it in a pleasurable way, because developmentally, that's just not where any of these kids are at. It takes a toll. So I think you are doing an amazing job, and I see you And everything you're feeling is valid, and you are not alone in those feelings. And you are doing remarkable. Everybody, you're all doing remarkable. I love talking with Lisa, and I I love talking to people, especially when we come at things from different places, even though... Our motivations and our end goals are the same, right? Because language continues to be something that is important in creating a world that I would like to live in, right? Like when my language is limited, it can mean advocating and working for a better world is restricted by a limited language. And when we learn that there is not a threat from expanding our language and coming to an agreement on what that language is, that that can be really freeing and conducive to moving the fight forward. I cannot believe that I am a 47-year-old woman who is still like, oh, I just have to use the word female when I'm raging about body autonomy and somebody taking away my physical rights, right? Like, that is a really simple language lesson right there. And I am so glad that Lisa reminded me of that. I have a really hard time remembering the differences between sex and gender. I just do, right? My kids don't, but I do. And I am trying to be aware of what I am bringing to a conversation based on my biases and my experiences and the language that I grew up with and acknowledging that and saying that I can learn without it being a threat 
to what I want to achieve or to the language that I used in the past. This is, it's the same as all the things we're trying to work on. Being anti-racist, supporting gender equality, right? All of it. I just am happy that people are willing to talk with me (laughs) and teach me and share with me. And I appreciate that you are willing to listen while I try and figure this out. None of this is easy. And when we are wounded and scared and angry, it is really hard to see the help that we could be providing each other. So let's just remember that and to give each other the grace and space to move forward. And you're doing all of this and handling all of this while having kids in your house and work and relationships and everything else. Do I think you're fucking remarkable? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You are doing a really good job. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to load down mama blues. I got to load down mama blues. Got to load down mama blues. Load down mama blues. Got to load down mama blues. Got to load down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama blue. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.